Welcome to Everything You Need Is Within, a Spotify Greenroom live audio show and podcast produced by and for Gen Z. With me, your host, Gigi Robinson. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Everything You Need Is Within. I have the most incredible guest. Honestly, this is a person that was there in the very beginning stages of my entry into the field of social media, into my entry way of creating videos and working with brands specifically. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce the one and only Markeon Benamu of the Smile Squad. Markeon, woohoo! <laughs> um, so happy that you're here. So excited for you to just tell us so much you're gonna you're so insightful every time I talk to you you always say something that inspires me but um tell everybody what you're about where you're from um maybe like a tiny bit about your journey well thank you this is also my first green room so no one can take that away from you you will always um but my name's Markian I I'm a creator online. Um, I have a channel called Smile Squad. Our mission is to bring the world together one smile at a time. And we have a comedy channel and a vlogs channel. And I first uh, started social media when I was 16. I was living in Hong Kong at the time. My family's kind of an international mix. So grew up in Russia, Spain, and Hong Kong. And uh, did videos in college as well, which is when where I met you, obviously. And I'll the awesome other content creators through reach uh, and then dropped out of college to, to make videos full time. Yeah, obviously that's incredible. Um, I would like to also commend you for taking that route and also like proving that you don't necessarily need an education to make, um, to make it in social media and to make a career out of it. I know that was something that you had gone back and forth um, on for some time, especially in figuring out if that was a decision that you were going to make. Um, I guess I would love if you could just explain your thought process there. Like what made you take that leap of faith knowing that it was uncertain or did you just have complete faith and a plan and, you know, were you like making enough to support yourself? Like, I want to know what went on in your brain to make that decision. It was honestly one of the easiest decisions and was very smooth. And here's the reason why. So after my first year of college, my, my channel, um, you know, hit a million followers on Facebook, Facebook introduced Facebook watch and they reached out to me to have a Facebook watch show. So they were paying me $20,000 a month to make videos for my Facebook watch show, which gave me that financial stability, uh, support myself. And I tried the, the second semester of my sophomore year, I only took one class to kind of test out what it would be like to be a full-time creator and everything went well, was making money, was making videos. And so when summer came along, I made videos and when fall came along, I didn't go back to school. Wow. And speaking of school, I also wanted to talk about reach. Um, And for those of you that don't know, I have talked about reach a lot. Um, Reach is USC's only social media club, and it was founded by Markian and a bunch of other people. Um, But tell us like why you started Reach um, and how that initial recruitment went. Um, I know I have a really fun story about (laughs) Reach recruitment. 
Yes, yes. So the reason I, I created Reach was I because I took a marketing class. And in the marketing class, they talked nothing about social media, which is pretty crazy. And then I also realized that there was uh, a bunch of creators and people interested in social media at USC, but no place for them all to meet. So essentially just wanted to create a community of people who are interested in social media, um, put out made some videos to promote the club, put out application form, had people apply, and then uh, wanted to keep the recruitment process fun. So do you want to share what your experience was going through that? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think overall, also, I would just like to commend you for like starting that community. And also, everyone for context, we're talking about I'm sure you had ideas of this in 2016. But it wasn't set into motion until 2017. And by then, like, you know, I don't even think we had TikTok. There was like Musical.ly, but YouTube and Instagram were, I think, the primary things that, and Tumblr, uh, were the primary things that people were using to build their following and build their own brands on social media. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really also just so interesting. And Reach has definitely evolved over the years. And for me, I I know for a fact that like the whole process of getting interviewed and going through two interviews also kind of emulated what it might be like to like work in social media full time um, corporately, which I think was great training. And it kind of prepares you to be spontaneous and to think on your feet and to have a real moment of, uh, I guess, kind of like ambiguity and uncertainty, but like really get comfortable with it, which is one of my favorite things. So here is my story about how I applied to reach. So first year of college that I was at USC, I actually transferred, uh, but everyone already knew that probably. And my roommate is another big creator on TikTok and Instagram. Her name's Cosette. And she came home from the club fair one day and she's like, look, I found this club. It seems really cool. I know both of us like social media, like both of us are creative how about we just apply? So me and my roommate, we apply to this club. And we're like, really unsure. You know, she tells me like, Oh, it's the first ever social media club. Like, you know, it's founded by this really cool guy, Markian. Like I watched his videos, like all of these things. And I'm just like, here, like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we actually I have seen his videos. That's so cool. Didn't know he was on campus. And also USC, I would also like to point out is a very kind of creator forward campus. I think a lot of innovation, a lot of ideas, a lot of really talented individuals come out of that outside of athletes. And I'm sure with this whole new NCAA law where creators can actually monetize their brand is going to explode what athletes can do as creators. Um, Had to mention that. Um, So both of us applied for this club. We go through, I think we had to write some thoughtful, you know, answers, things like that. Then we had interviews. So we got called back for our interview. And it was actually really, really funny. It was um, Xavier and Selena were interviewing us at the time. Uh, And at first we were going to like just show up and, you know, interview back to back and not really talk with you know, like be involved in each other's interview. Like, why would we do that? But Xavier and Selena just kind of like interviewed us together in front of each other. And we were like, 
what? <laughs> like, how is this happening? And how are we interviewing for a club that seems to be pretty exclusive? And then we're just here together. Like, it also brought the pressure on because it was like, not like who's going to outperform one another, but like also kind of like made it. So like, we were like a package deal of like, oh, like not that you can't accept one without the other, but that we both enhanced each other's talents and we didn't take it away. And I think that that I mean, I don't know this, but this is my assumption is that that was something that helped, I think, our our in boost your guys's interest in us individually in the club because of just the way that we were really going as a team and not as competition. And that's what I think building a social media community should be and was all about at reach. Um, so yeah, that, that was my fun story. I mean, I don't want to give away too many other surprises about other elements of, of <laughs> recruitment at reach because they still go on. Uh, but yeah, that is, that's my little story. Yeah. That's, that's super fun. I remember, I vaguely remember, cause I obviously I wasn't part of the interview, but I, I remember you guys doing <laughs> together. Was it because you came at the same time? Yeah, exactly. We showed up like it, we I think we booked back to back interviews or we both booked the same time interview with actually, no, that wasn't possible because you always have two people in one um, for the most part. But um, yeah, that was what happened, I guess. And it, I mean, at the end of the day, like in the past, um, once I ended up going up higher in like eboard and things like that, I don't think we ever interviewed two people at once, but we always had two people interviewing an individual, which I think also helps build kind of the credibility and also gives more discussion around like who's invited into the club. So I wanted to know what your thoughts are on the creator industry and overall, I mean, Yes, Reach is an on-campus club, which we've expanded, like, on. But in general, what do you think about the community online or in general between creators? Well, I think the the creator world and the creator economy has just continued to grow every year. And there's I, – I, I think I heard someone say this, and I, I kind of agree with it. It's the easiest and the hardest time to be a creator – Hardest because obviously a lot of competition and being saturated, but easiest because of how many opportunities there are, how receptive brands are, how many platforms there are. Um, TikTok is now making it so much easier to grow versus, let's say, even two years ago when when you, there was no TikTok and you had to grow like through Instagram and YouTube, which is tough. So yeah, it's, I'm very grateful to be living in LA, kind of in the middle middle of it all i think it's the best it's it's the hub for a lot of social media creators and brands um which makes it easy to be able to cast actors or to collab with creators in our videos um but i i get so much fulfillment and excitement from creating new things doing what i love making an impact through videos which i probably couldn't do anywhere else let's say even in the traditional film and tv world where there's so many um approvals you need to get and obstacles before you can actually create something that reaches millions of people so overall it's just it's great 
Yeah, it's I've actually found it hard. So I'm in New York City. I know I was in LA for a period of time. I hope to come back at some point. But I found it really hard to like go out also and meet people in a COVID environment. And I know you've made some videos about that too, which I think is super cool. Um, Can you talk just a little bit about like, how you were able to spark joy and create these videos while we were in the midst of such a difficult year? Well, luckily for us, we film at home and it's very low production. Usually we just have an actor, actor or actress come over and we film that. And it's just the creator and the actor. Um, so when we were in quarantine, you know, we filmed alone without an actor, but we were still able to make videos. And actually we got even more views, I think, because of quarantine in, in April and May of last year wow. was, was great. Um, and we're grateful to also be able to to spread a little bit of joy when everyone was going through a tough time and, and take people's minds off of quarantine. So we're very lucky that we're able to adapt, that um, we weren't affected too badly by being obviously a digital channel. Right. And for those that don't know or that haven't seen their like your videos can you just take us through the kind of like overall thought process and the ideation of creating a video um and then I also want to ask some questions about your team as well for any entrepreneurs or people in social media that are building out their teams but first tell us about your videos yeah, so I mean, now we're Smile Squad and Smile Media. Smile Media is the name of the company um, that I created that has Smile Squad and, and other channels that I'm trying to. Smile, Smile Squad is a team of 15 people, and that consists of writers, editors, assistants, producers. Um, we've really just optimized our systems, and and I think that's kind of the key to how we're able to produce so much content is our systems. So the workflow is along the lines of the writers write eight scripts a week, the creators film eight videos a week and the editors edit eight videos a week. And it's just a never ending process where this happens every week. So we're making a bunch of content and posting a bunch of content. And Holy just... cow, Mark Jan. That is incredible. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how much it's, it's a grow. And my first hires were an editor, writer, and assistant, the writer is Alan, who also was part of Reach. Um, yeah. And and that small team, you know, allowed me to make four times as many videos than I was before. And now with double that team, we can make twice as many videos and grow, reach twice as many people and make twice as much money. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. That is incredible. And what would some advice to, like, a young entrepreneur or – uh, somebody just starting out in building a team B? Well, I would say that uh, when it comes to social media, treat it like a business, 100%. You have to know your your cash flow. You, you have to know what's coming in, what's coming out, where you're spending money. Um, secondly, I would suggest um, creating systems. So I kind of referred to that a little bit, but create a system where you can pass and train someone else. You can't expect someone to know how to edit their videos perfectly like the way you do. You need to create a guidebook which lists out every single thing you do in your edits to to the specificity of this is the font size we use for our text. This is the outline size. This is 
how much we crop in percentage wise into clips. This is our pacing, our music. This is where we get our music from. Um, and once you can kind of create that guidebook, then hire someone and teach them. Right. Wow. I also definitely needed to hear that. And you have a million thoughts running through my head. Um, I actually added three people to my team too. And um, I'm definitely in the beginner stage right now. Um, But coming up with those kinds of systems can be kind of daunting when you've never done that before besides your own workflow. Um, So how did you feel around kind of, I guess, like surrendering to just like needing to let go a little bit of your t- like touch on the videos and handing that over to somebody else. I, I have no, uh, like, I don't know what the right word is in terms of like possessiveness or, mm-hmm. or ego around it needs, it needs to be exact. Well, it doesn't need to be exactly some way, but mm-hmm. I, I passing that along. All I care about is, um, what's the final product and you know is it reaching people the same way as it was when i was doing so i I have no issue with that i actually preferred not editing and not writing because those things take a long time and i actually don't like doing them that much so if anything i was just more relieved um and and of course it took time and it took training until your editor edits like you do it it takes months of of training so Mm -hmm. happening instantly but when it does happen then now you've just given yourself the time to do even more things and create more videos. So on that note, have you had any moments where you have passed the baton and something's either been posted too early, posted the wrong way, or not really like, like it, it didn't live up to the expectation. And how did you deal with that? Yeah, there, there've been some small things such as those examples or, um, and, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Meaning it's kind of a, the approach that I go in to, to hiring someone and training them is I rather that we do a bunch of things and we, you know, we try new things, we experiment, we post, um, it'll lead to 90% good outcomes and 10% bad outcomes. And that's, that 10% is worth the sacrifice for those 90% versus, um, you know, being very protective and, taking things slowly and then you don't get that much done. So it's just part of the process. And I have a very healthy relationship with failure or things not working out and learning from them. So. Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate on like an example of failure and how you embraced it? I know um, a lot of young entrepreneurs or people that want to start sometimes have a block around failing or doing something wrong. So is there an example that maybe you've experienced, whether that was in college or whether that's something you've learned in the past, like three, four years since you left? Yeah, there's, there's been, I mean, talk about videos that have failed. There's, there's so many videos and ideas that we try or series that we try and, and don't work. Um, an example of that is, let's say, uh, on our new vlog channel, which is meant to be personality driven and do like positive challenges, the first videos we tried doing were um, actually i'm i 'm going to give you another example and it 's going to lead to a much greater outcome my My first viral video was called what it 's like to have a sister but before I made that viral video, I made a bunch of comedy videos that didn't that didn 't do well at all i i I did the running man challenge. Do you remember that that song? 
Yes, I remember all of the OG videos from you that are now, I think, as you told us many years ago, they are now unlisted or private on YouTube. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) But I tried doing a bunch of random comedy videos. I'd never done comedy before and all those failed. But with each video, I learned something new and it led me to eventually making that that bomb video, What It's Like to Have a Sister, which got over 100 million views. So, um, yeah, having a healthy relationship with failure, taking it as a learning opportunity is the best thing you can do. Yeah, learning is definitely at, like, the forefront, I think, of anything you do in social media because, like, you know, some days you'll post a really great picture and it's super high production value and it won't do as well. And other days you'll post a super casual iPhone photo and everyone's going to be, like, over the moon about it. So it's, like, what's the balance and what works for my audience? So speaking of audience, can you tell us a little bit about your formula for creating virality? I know you mentioned systems, but... Um, Is there an example that you can give people to kind of like find in their own content to duplicate? Um, We've been trying to build our Smile Squad Academy, which is our online courses on how to become a creator. And we teach people our viral video formula. So I'll give you kind of a highlight of what that is. And you'll realize that a lot of your favorite creators kind of use this as well. So the, the formula is hook retained action. And this applies to all videos. The first thing you want to do is you want to hook your viewers. So when they're scrolling on YouTube, for example, you want a really good title and thumbnail that makes them click your video over anyone else's. Then you want to retain your viewers. So once they click the video, you want them to obviously watch the video and to stay until the end, um, which then boosts the, the algorithm. And let's say YouTube recognizes that it's a good piece of content and pushes, pushes it out to others. And then the final step is action. You want to have a call to action so that your viewers take action and either subscribe or they share on Facebook, which then boosts your video even more. So that's kind of our viral video formula. Um, And you'll see it with all your favorite creators. They hook you, they retain you, and they make you take action. What's your favorite example of that, like in your own content or your favorite video? I know you briefly mentioned the, the what it's like to have a sister video, which is one of my faves. Um, but what's your favorite? Ooh, so I'll give a recent example. On our blog channel, we made a video. Our best performing video is called If You Drink Water, You Lose. So first of all, the the title is super hooking and, you know, sparks curiosity. The thumbnail, which complements the title, is me in pain, holding a glass of water while in the other hand, having the super spicy Indian food. So you can tell I'm very in pain. My eyes were Photoshopped to be even more red and bigger than they were. And, and obviously you can see like my, the water tempting me. So you haven't right. seen, but you're hooked immediately. Then the premise of the video was I, I, we tried uh, three spicy Indian restaurants and the challenge was you are not allowed to drink water. And there's a group of five creators. And if you drank water, you were eliminated. So um, that's the way that we retained our viewers. We didn't label the video as spice eating spicy Indian food because there's no reason for someone to watch until the end. Whereas with this kind of formula, which Mr. Beast use, use, uses a lot, kind of the like last person to leave the circle or um, which makes you stand till the end is, that's kind of what we use for that. And then we had our call to action, you know, to subscribe and all the money from that video we we donated to a COVID uh India Indian COVID relief fund. So um 
there was a, a deeper layer of purpose behind that. And that's, that's kind of a, a and it, and it has, it's our best performing video. I think it has 700,000 views on YouTube. Yeah. I love that. And I know we have talked about, um, as a creator, you know, we have, uh, we have this online presence, we have our personality, we have our video and, uh, you know, whatever kind of content we're making. Um, and I know you make impact daily by making people smile. That's like the whole concept behind smile media, as you mentioned. Um, so what would you encourage a small creator to do when looking to define their own brand online? I would say find your why. I think um, this is kind of a branding 101 tip is people buy your why and not your what. So find what that purpose is. Uh, find, and, and the way to think about that is kind of, you know, think about what you're passionate about, what you enjoy making content, um, thinking about how you want your viewers to feel, what action you want to inspire them to take, uh, what is the, the, the deeper message you want people to take away from your videos and then kind of making content around that. And another tip I would say is to find your series. So find a format of, of repeatable content that you can make, whether it's, let's say uh, our comedy, our smile squad comedy format, which is uh, a three minute listicle video. Each scene is 10 seconds long. hits on relatable identities and communities or, um, Yes Theory, who do a bunch of linear comfort zone challenges, or Mr. Beast, which is donating money to to strangers. So find kind of what your series is because it allows people to um, get hooked in. They know what to expect from your next videos, and it uh, makes it much easier for production rather, rather than trying to think of, like, one-off videos all the time. Yeah, that is super great advice, especially... I guess is like myself right now. I've actually had a lull in like creativity with video content. So I'm going to use that advice to push myself out of my own comfort zone to create content um, and list content. I'm going to do it this weekend. So if you are listening, this is my challenge to you. Go out and write down like two or three series. Um, Also, if you're listening, it's that time in the episode where I encourage people anyone listening to uh, grab some water and take a sip of water and hydrate because talking for 30 minutes can sometimes be tiring. So I'm going to drink some water. If you want to drink some water, eat a snack, go for it. (laughs) I had my bottle next to me and drank it when you said it. Perfect. What what kind of water do you... Um, Well... I try my best to do filtered water through the Brita filter or the Brita filter, but um, a couple of months ago, there was some change with the reservoir near my town with the way that the water was coming in uh, to New York City, and they had to drain the normal reservoir. So instead, they put it through this other reservoir that they hadn't used in years, so the water was tasting funny. So right now, I'm drinking Poland Spring, but... For some strange reason, my favorite is like Evian or Smart Water. Um, very controversial, but yeah. What about what about you? You know what? I would say I'm a sparkling person. Sparkling oh, water, like Perrier. What is it? Perrier? No, yeah, San Pellegrino. Oh, San Pellegrino. Could yeah. 
do anything for San Pellegrino. In Spain, or I grew up, you know, in Spain, Europe, um, there's no, like, free water. Like, when you, right. when you order water at a restaurant, it's, it's either um, uh, still or sparkling. So I would always go sparkling. Here, I, since it's free, I just go tap. But, yeah, I would always go sparkling. And it's just that refreshing, you know, taste. Get a lemon in it as well. Oh, yeah. Wait, that actually sounds amazing. Um, I'm trying to get a sponsorship with San Pellegrino. Um, <laughs> I think that would be so fun. Um, and okay. So let's get, let's get a little bit into like who you are. I know you told us about your company, but like, tell us about your background and how that kind of set you up to become this viral creator, um, with all of your, you know, global identities. Um, I just think, you know, you have such a fascinating journey of what you've done, how you've built a team, how you've like dominated the industry but like who is marky on like tell us please <laughs> um culture is a big part of my identity i would call myself a third culture kid and it's a term that probably not a lot of people know basically uh generally means that you grew up in a country other than your parents nationalities and in other words it's also kind of just you're a mix you've been exposed to different cultures throughout your childhood but um, my story is my mom is American. My dad's French. I was born in London and I grew up in Russia, Spain and Hong Kong. And I was very fortunate to to have an upbringing where I was exposed to so many cultures. And I think it definitely shaped me as a person in terms of being open minded, in terms of seeing all walks of life and being exposed to, to different types of people um, and and still even 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 saying that I, when I came to the U.S., there was still so much that I, that I didn't know and learned about different communities, um, given also how diverse the U.S. is. Um, but culture definitely has uh, influenced the types of videos that I make as well. So we we've done with Smile Squad a lot of videos around culture and what it's like to have a uh, a blank friend or girlfriend, and the blank would be a different country or culture. So that's that's kind of my cultural identity. And then one thing that I, I also tend to bring up when it comes to who I am and, and who I was growing up was I used to be super shy. Um, I, I would still say I'm, I'm an introvert right now, but I would kind of class myself as an outgoing introvert. But as a, as a teenager, I had no confidence to approach strangers. I um, was the kid at the back of the room at dance parties. I was just, just shy. So uh, making videos and leaving my comfort zone definitely kind of transformed my personality to become more outgoing and extroverted. And I'm really grateful for that, that change. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned that you were a shy kid because I was also a very shy kid. Um, I don't know how shy I really was <laughs> in college because Moving from New York City to Los Angeles was me pushing myself out of my comfort zone and I think building my platforms and my audience base um, on social media has pushed me even further. But I was also this person that genuinely loved creating art um, and loved sharing it with people but wouldn't really talk about it. Um, And something I've always admired about you is like how humble and real and honest you are and I know that with social media um, and a lot of stigmas around it um, can really 
build it up to be this like really catty and fake kind of thing. So what are your thoughts on that? And how can you set yourself aside and really just like let your personality shine through? Well, I guess it's just, just like in life, surround yourself with people that you like and want to be more like. Um, the great thing about social media is that you can do whatever you want and there will always be a following or, or there will always be a, an audience that will be interested in that thing. Um, so I, I think just being intentional and conscious about the people you surround yourself with, the decisions you make, and the, the type of content you make. I think I was... I've always been pretty selective with um, who I spend time with, maybe and maybe not more subconsciously, but um, yeah, I was always, always independent as well. Never wanted to rely on like collabs in order to grow. So always found content I could make myself. Um, but yeah, yeah. The people you surround yourself with is, is huge and shapes who you are. And on the note of like the way that the industry is perceived, what would you say to like, you know, a digital marketer or um, people that might not understand the industry? Like, how would you kind of reframe what it means to be a freelance creator or honestly a freelance creative? That's basically what you're doing. Um, uh, or like an influencer in general. What? Like, how would you rephrase that? How would you tell, you know, a digital marketing professor, hi, here's my value. Here's what I do. Here is ultimately how we need to shift the dialogue about just not being, you know, empty people. We're actually creating real content. Well, I think it's the, the proof is the attention. A marketing professor has the same um, goals and aspirations and criteria that that creators have, which is eyeballs and attention. And I think there's no denying that um, creators, a lot of people follow creators and creators influence a lot of people and people feel like they can connect much stronger to a person rather than a, a corporate brand, for example. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, just, just paying attention to the shift in this attention world that we live in. And seeing where where people spend their time on, where consumers spend their time, which has shifted from TV to social media. Yeah, absolutely. So that leads me to my next question. And I only have a couple more questions for you um, tonight. The mm -hmm. first question is, what's your favorite social media platform and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I would say... You know what? I think I'm going to say TikTok. Wow. The reason why, one, as a consumer, it's the algorithm is so good that uh, I, you know, you probably and myself and a bunch of other people don't look at the, the following page and they look at the For You page. Um, mm -hmm. the, the algorithm is so good at, at giving you content that is enjoyable and that you like to watch. Are you on the, the same page as me as, as in like watching the For You page? Yeah, definitely. I ha Some listeners who have been in my other episodes before will probably know this about me, but I took a TikTok hiatus. I left TikTok for a little bit uh, because I was actually, while I did enjoy a lot of what I was seeing um, as a creator, I didn't feel seen or supported. Uh, so I left for a bit. But I'm considering coming back. But I, I do agree. 
content programming is uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. And I was going to say also as a creator, my, my perspective is it's the easiest platform to grow on nowadays. And I don't think there's any other platform where you can have zero followers, start making videos and be able to reach people if your content is good. So it obviously has its downsides and it's, uh, addictiveness and probably, you know, drawbacks to mental health and all that. But so, but uh, I would, I'd probably rank it as one of the, the top platforms. And, and actually as a creator, also a, a, a downside would be the lack of monetization, meaning you wouldn't right. be able to build a sustainable business just off of TikTok it might be the top of your funnel, but YouTube and in my opinion, Facebook as well are going to be your, your best platforms to have a, a monetized audience because both those platforms have ad revenue. Right. So speaking of ad revenue, what would you say to somebody who wants to start making content and does not know where to start? I know you said find your why, but like how would somebody even know how to create something that could build ad revenue or like to like learning how to like place those things in their ads? Where did you learn all of that? Did you learn it just by doing, did you learn it from somebody? Um, and what's your overall advice? Yeah, I just learned by doing it. And I think that's the best way to learn. I I personally would start on TikTok to find your content voice, your content type, small audience. Um, the reason why I like TikTok is because you can create lots of videos because they're short and don't require much production. And you have the opportunity to see if your videos do well. You, you get that that opportunity, which if you post a video on a new YouTube channel with zero subscribers, it's going to get zero views. Um, my personal take is that it takes, let's say, 30 to 50 videos. So the question is, are you going to make those 30 in a month or, or is it going to take you a year to make those videos? doesn't matter which platform, doesn't matter which, how, what kind of videos. That's, I, I believe it just takes that many videos to find your thing. So then it comes down to to you as a creator to, to decide how long it's going to take to make those videos. Got it. So create about 50 videos is what you said. And then from there kind of analyze like what works and what doesn't work. And then just kind of start building a system around uh, that kind of, of niche. Yeah. I would say with it, what I would say is within 50 videos, you'll find your thing. Right. So with each video that you post, you will learn something new and you will learn something new that you like and don't like. Um, and hopefully by video 50, then you have found your thing. Right, 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 right. I love that. Um, okay. Only have a couple more questions for you. Um, if anyone in the audience has questions as well, feel free to, uh, (laughs) type it down in the chat here. Um, but okay. So, We talked about so much tonight. Um, I'm wondering how you balance your life as like online and in holding this team um, to, you know, this, you know, amazing creative standard, producing all of these videos um, and also just like living a fun life outside of social media. How the heck do you do it, Markian? Every time I talk to you, you're so calm and you're so like poignant i just i'm like wondering how you do it oh well i i like to have routine right now i play soccer i 
uh, five days a week in the mornings. I found a soccer team and I love soccer and it's good exercise to start off my day. And then I try and have a healthy balance after work, you know, try and do only light work or, or less work after seven o'clock, um, you know, do things that make me happy, like eat out at restaurants or go watch a movie if I want to. Um, but I'm also fortunate that I, that I love what I do during the day and it doesn't feel like it, even though it's, it's stressful and tiresome sometimes it's, it's fulfilling and enjoyable. So I think the work-life integration is, I like, is key. And it's, it's a term that one of um, this person I work with, Richard, who coined instead of like work-life balance is work-life integration. Right. Yeah. Things are going well right now. I might change. (laughs) I might not like my routine anymore and hopefully I'll be able to change it to something that I like. Yeah. And are there any specific tools that you use? I know at one point you told me about the aura ring and I got it. Um, And I think it's pretty cool because it does track your sleep. And I have found that to be a really uh, cool device. It's like a a modern Fitbit, in my opinion. It just, I don't know. It's, it's really cool. What do you use or do you, is that what you use? So actually I, I haven't looked at the the sleep data. I just wear it because I think it looks cool. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Cool. But I (laughs) I was using it for the sleep uh, initially. My mom, my mom got it for me. She loves all the things like that, and I think it's still like a really cool device. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, routine. I I think is is going to be the big one in terms of exercise and sleep. Actually, I'm pretty passionate about and believe in and getting, yeah. you know, seven to eight hours of sleep because that I don't drink coffee and that's kind of my energy is my sleep and I if you can wake up feeling energized and have a productive day, then that's optimal. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on the sleep front. I know that there were many sleepless nights in uh, college and that was very damaging and led to burnout, both creatively, emotionally, mentally, and physically, which was not a fun experience at all. Um, So I like your tips on balance. I am going to try to start to integrate more morning activity um, and going swimming into my schedule to help me kind of be more balanced. But seven to eight hours is definitely the money for me as well. And I am definitely happy to hear that term work-life integration instead of work-life balance. I think that really offers perspective into the fact that like, it doesn't need to be like a scale of doing one thing more than the other. It's more about like integrating work into your life in a way that's sustainable for you. And that changes from person to person. So um, I love that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's especially for people like you and I, who whose work is their life because we, we love what we do. It's finding the integration rather than, you know, some people who do have a job and don't like it, they're, they're perfectly fine with cutting off at five o'clock and having, I guess you could say more of a balance where it's, you're either doing one and then not doing any more and then doing the other. Um, so yeah, it's right. just that, uh, what works best for you. <laughs> totally. Okay. I have two more questions for you. The first question is what do you think the future of social media is going to be? I know it's broad, but just however you want to interpret that. Ooh, I would say I'm going to talk specifically about creators. And I'm going to say that 
uh, in the future, creators are going to start realizing that they are a business and that they don't need to be doing everything. And that specifically means hiring a team, um, creators not editing their videos anymore, not writing their videos anymore, um, or at least doing less of it because they're going to realize that they they don't have to. They can train someone and that's going to allow them to grow as a creator and to reach more people with their content. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. And here is the last question of the night, which I ask all of my guests. Um, my mantra is everything you need is within, hence the title of the show. Um, what is your mantra? I would say, um, oh, I, I have it. It's smile and the world will smile back. And Aww, I love it. Our, our, that's what we believe in with, with, our, with Smile Squad and, and what we push with our mission is that when you put out good energy, when you are friendly, when you smile, that's the energy that you get back. And life is so much happier that way. Um, and it, and we recognize that everyone has tough moments. And if you're able to push through them by being optimistic and having a positive attitude, then you are winning at life and making the most out of it, of it uh, and, and striving towards happiness. Wow. I, I really love that. Um, thank you so much, Mark Jan. This has been amazing. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you and the Smile Squad and your team? Smile Squad on all channels and Mark Jan on all channels as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark Jan. This was amazing. I know this episode is going to bring so many young entrepreneurs and creatives and people interested in social media, hopefully to a community online of their own on a campus near them or just to your social media channels where they can have a little bit of a better day by smiling. So thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, week, weekend. Um, and I just, I'm very appreciative of you and your friendship over the years. So thank you. Ah, of course. And I'm happy to see you succeeding and continuing to growing. So thanks for ah.